This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And today I'm going to actually mention a a subsidiary uh, or an affiliate of the Fresno Association of Realtors, and that is the Fresno Multiple Listing Service. And that is because our guest today is Kyle Cheney. He is this year's chair of the Fresno Multiple Listing Service that provides a huge service to the, the members of the Fresno Association of Realtors, and that is by providing a multiple listing service. So welcome, Kyle. Thank you, Don. appreciate being here. And, and I just want to say, not only is it to our uh, great membership, to our, to our members, but also to the public, the way that the MLS works and how it gets information about homes out there, it's a really huge, powerful thing for the public as well. Ah, I'm glad you said that because we we got to get some real, well, uh, this whole show, Welcome Home Radio, yeah. is about the real facts and the real stats. And I don't know about you, but I get my real stats off of the Fresno Multiple Listing Service. And that's what I where I pull them off to because we're able to make sure that they're local and even hyper-local to the specific area of our buyers and sellers or what they're really looking for. So it's not just national stuff that makes headlines. This is the stuff that really affects how people are doing their their shopping for homes and purchasing homes. Sure. And and then we can also customize it too to where we can uh, say, well, let's get stats in just the city of Fresno versus Fresno County. Um, I recently ran some stats and I looked at it and I go, wow, that's seems way off either that or i'm way off well i went and i looked at not just the number but i looked at the content Mm -hmm. behind the number and found out there was a an 11 million dollar sale in there from monterey county that got into our mls because one of our agents sold that well that certainly skewed the numbers yeah there's some times where things like that will take place but all in all being able to as yourself, if when you're in it, like most of our members are every day helping their clients, you know what's going on. You are very in tune to what the market is doing um, and what the market will more than likely be doing in the future. So understand these stats. I mean, for instance, right now in Fresno and Clovis alone, there's about 500 homes for sale. That's it. That's from $0 to that $11 million. That's not even in our area. It's amazing how limited the supply of inventory is for potential buyers. It's a great seller's market, but the nice thing is buyers are still in a very attractive place to make purchases, and it, the market's in a really good spot for, for both, which in, in my career, this last 18 to 24 months, that's the first time I've felt comfortable saying, this is good for both parties. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. Uh, I even convinced my son to buy a place in Florida, and, and my belief is that he said, well, I don't know, though, Dad, you know, it seems like the prices are high. I said, but look at that interest rate. You know what your pay, your housing cost is going to be for the next 30 years. Exactly. And, and not only that, even when people, you know, we care a lot from, from potential clients, oh, the interest rates are high. They're not high in relative terms. When you look at historical, maybe from a couple of months ago, they've gone up. As long as our, my, our advice typically is as long as you're comfortable with what your payments are going to be 
what do you think is going to happen in the future? Do you think prices are going to go down? Do you think interest are going to go down? Typically, no. They're always Things always typically march up. Interest rates have marched down in the recent past, but that's been the Fed doing some things extraordinarily to keep the, the flow of money going for other reasons. We're starting to kind of on the interest rate see things kind of normal out to what we would quote unquote see normal, but on the lower side, which, you know, we've talked before. You bought homes and sold homes in the 80s. That was a that was an, just the opposite. It was an extremely high environment compared to relative history. So we're still in a really good yeah. spot. It, it was always during the 80s, double digit interest rates. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know our listeners have heard this before, but I was brilliant enough to become a loan officer in 1981, 82, when the rates got up to 17 and a half percent. So uh, <laughs> you want to see how hard it was. You, you that could. was tough being a loan officer. Yeah, <laughs> I can only imagine, man. I that it's I look at it, my first house with my wife, we bought in 99 and the interest rate was 7%, which is roughly a point and a half to two points, maybe even three points lower than what it is today, depending on what your individual, that person's individual criteria. So it's still a great time to, to do things as far as real estate's concerned and really excited about it. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to talk about a national report that came out this past week. And uh, it, it, the, the headline's kind of scary in that new home sales fell 17% during April. Um, uh, f- from this time last year to this year, a 17% drop. And we've always said that real estate is local. It's mm-hmm. what's local that really matters. So let me give you the, the stats for Fresno County. Okay. Um, during the first four months of 2021, which was a rebound year from the year before, we had 2,707 sold listings in Fresno County. This year, for the same time period, that number dropped 16 homes. Wow. So 2,691. So 16 homes, that's not even 1%. It's not even 1%, as you mentioned. That's why it's super important to understand what's happening local, which is what our MLS allows us to do is to really understand what's happening locally. Um, everybody's heard location, location, location. That has to do, you have to be local to understand what that means. You know, why is one area of town slightly more desirable than the other? There's really no reason for it other than that's just what Fresno or Clovis or Fresno County thinks. Um, and agents that are practicing understand that. The multiple listing service gives us actual factual data to say, hey, this is what this neighborhood's selling for, or what's happening. Uh, it, it's a really um, important time to make sure that you understand what's on the news is typically there to sell subscriptions or XYZ. It's not necessarily what's happening in your, your local area. Okay, and somebody out there might be thinking, that's great, Kyle Cheney, but you guys are just out here to sell homes. But I'll have you know, uh, there's oftentimes that we give advice and it's like, you know, maybe you ought to wait a year or two. Absolutely. It, it depends on each individual person and what they're trying to accomplish. And that's part of the, the joy of being a realtor is understanding when I sit down with a, with a Don, like, what do you want to do? Why are you trying to buy a house? Or understanding their story of what, what they want. Then coming back with our best advice saying, 
I can help you, or maybe this, maybe you should do X, Y, Z. Let's talk to a couple of different professionals. Maybe you need to talk to an accountant. Maybe you need to talk to a financial planner. Either way, we kind of help guide those conversations and giving people the most uh, information so they can make the best decision appropriate for them. Mm -hmm. And the right time to move or to sell or to buy is not necessarily when the market dictate certain things, the top of the market, the bottom of the market. It's when you personally are ready. Yeah, I would agree because you're probably like me. My crystal ball is pretty foggy as the next person's. I don't know when the top is and I don't know when the bottom is, but I know when I need to move or I need to buy because of what's happening in my life. So because of that, what's taking place, I'm not too concerned about timing the market. I'm concerned about what's right for me today. Let's, let's move forward and buy a house or sell a house or whatever it is. And sometimes that, that real estate professional can give you the good advice. I remember my assistant about 10 years ago. She was young. She came to me and said, I'm ready. I'm going to buy a house now. Well, my advice to her is, why don't you wait and see that you can live in one single apartment for more than four months <laughs> at a time before you actually make that commitment to sink your roots? Um, you know, she was moving every four months for whatever reason. Yeah. Hey, you know, it, it, it's really interesting. Like I've, I've had clients um, like my brother. They were they sat on the fence for a while. And I was like, hey, this is the time to go. Let's let's do it. They ended up buying a home. They're in a they love where they're at. And from a standpoint, you talk about timing. There wasn't a timing issue. Their appreciation's gone up through the roof. But that's not what they were trying to do. It was time for what they, they were starting the family. They were in a two bedroom apartment. They needed something different. And they had the, the financial capability to do it. So that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And when we get back from our first commercial break, we're going to be talking about the multiple listing service. So I want to take advantage of the fact that you're here today and, and that you have an intricate part in the, uh, the service that provides realtors with some really good access to homes, sure. information about homes and the statistics so that we know what's happening. No problem. All right. So when we uh, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio as we get more into that. Thank you. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino and Kyle Cheney, the chairman of the Fresno Multiple Listing Services here. And as our music attested to, the power of love, it's a curious thing. One man weeps, another does. So um, I didn't have those words down exactly right. But let's talk about the power of the MLS. Yeah. Why do, why do realtors love the, the MLS? So the MLS, like, if you go back before the Internet started, you've got to understand how this used to work. You buyers and sellers talk to their agent. They're getting all the information. The agents would then go to their multiple listing service or their version, and they would put it into this book that probably looked a lot like a phone book. And that came out every three months. And if you missed it, tough, and then it made it very difficult to sell a home. Well, as the internet came through and we realtors and the associations got better, how do we make this better? We came up with a way to put it on the internet. And that's what, what most people look at as today as the multiple listing service. That power allows us and the public to see what's available, the important stats about that particular home or neighborhood, 
and as a practitioner of real estate and how to do it, we have a little bit of insight of what other homes sold for, and we can run reports that maybe the average person can't just the way they see it, because they typically, most of our clients consume it just as what's for sale, not necessarily what's taken place in the past. We have full access to really gather that. So we're in a position, the power of understanding what is happening, what's taken place, were there multiple offers on a property? We are all able to see it to help guide our clients make the best decisions for their particular situation. Mm -hmm. And without the multiple listing service, how would any one agent know everything that's out there? And if I had, well, let me put it like this. So it's very easy to understand. If I had to sell every one of my listings myself, I couldn't cooperate with you, Kyle. Or, or any of your agents, or then I'm not going to serve my my seller very well. You're not going to serve. So what do we say? We say typically the general rule of thumb is exposure and the amount of people seeing a property, in essence, creating that competition will probably drive the price up or give the market value of the property, right? Well, like you're alluding to in the past, if nobody knew about the home, it's the two people that drove down the street that saw the home are the only two that might even want to buy it. But when I get into a situation with a multiple agent where I can share this with another agent, even another agent from a different company, or put it on there and share it with somebody in a different part of the country moving to Fresno or Clovis, now all of a sudden, fiduciarily, I'm helping my seller get the most amount of money or the best terms, whatever makes sense for them, because more people can see it. So the multiple listing service, the way that it presents itself to the public and the benefit for the public it is... I can't think of a better way to do it. And I'm not saying that just because I'm in the industry is how else would you do it to make sure that more, most people can see this property. And I have the answer for you as to how else you could do it, because this was many years ago, but I had a seller put me in a spot. He said, I need you to sell this house. I need it sold quickly, but no sign out in front, not in the multiple listing service. Wow. Yeah, and he didn't want anybody to know about it except for the eventual buyer. I said, well, I guess I could do that, but I want you to know I, I don't think it, it's going to be the best job possible because not as many people are going to know about it. He goes, that's fine. He owed his neighbor some money. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want his neighbor to know no. that he was selling no. it until he had already moved on to Texas. How do you always find these situations? <laughs> no, they find me, me? Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so anyway, it, it sold, and I'm going to say it probably sold 10% below value. Um, but his, I guess he owed the guy like 20%. So he came out ahead. He came out ahead. And, you know, it's also like, you know, uh, some of the, our listeners may be hearing like, oh, there's multiple offers. on. Pro How do we think we're, as a realtor, that I'm able to generate multiple listings for you to make sure it's exposed to the most amount of agents that are, that are in our marketplace, as well as public that help drive those conversations. Hey, I want to see that home or that home look great. So, I mean, your agent has to do their due diligence and how they market the property, but our, how we market the property from a internet perspective, um, these other third party sites out in the world that have all kinds of it, all that information comes from our multiple listing service. We provide it to them. We've, we've collected it in such a fashion that they can share it with everybody else and help us expose the property. But without the MLS, it wouldn't happen. Now, there can be 
listings on another site that's not in the multiple listing service, but that's probably someone who posted it there themselves and don't have a contract to sell it. So they may not be considered a serious seller. Right. There's a lot of people, um, prospective buyers that they, they want to know that they're being, um, in essence, represented. I'm not even going to say protect, represented by a party. And they feel more comfortable when the seller's represented. They don't feel like they're being taken advantage of in that case. Like there's a representation happening and both parties are really negotiating in, in good faith. And uh, to, yeah, to your point, there, the, there are properties out there on the internet that aren't necessarily a part of an MLS, but I would say it, I, I don't have a hard number. It's got to be less than 2%, if that. Like they're out there. I was going to guess 1% yeah. if you want any. Well, good. You and I, we're going to hang out some more because uh, you make me feel good. It, it's one of those that, yeah, it, it's it's super important. The the multiple listing service in its in its current format um, is really designed to expose properties and help buyers and sellers find the homes that they want to buy or sell. And agents, we help you know obviously facilitate that and we use that. But it, it's an amazing service. And it's funny how. Uh, the business model of the multiple listing service is, I believe there are 705 different brokers in the Fresno multiple listing service. That's brokerage offices. Mm -hmm. uh, and then of course there's how many, almost 5,000 members. So, yeah. And, and that's because many of them work for one broker. Sure. But they're all bound by the spirit of cooperation. Um, so it's funny how two competing companies can come together in one transaction to make it a win-win for both the buyer and the seller. Absolutely. So you got to think of it. At the base of it, yes, a buyer's agent is trying to represent the best for his buyer and the seller the best for the seller, the person seller. But ultimately, we sit back and say, we know that both people want this property. So how do we come together and, you know, we've, we can do what Congress can't do. We find the middle ground and get it done because of this cooperation and it's it's built into what it is to be a realtor our code of ethics what we ascribe to how the multiple listing service works we've created systems and processes that allow us to help cooperate and still serve the best interests of our clients that's a good point and, and um you kind of alluded to this with the code of ethics but we do the multiple listing service has rules and regulations yes so um I just can't throw something into the MLS that I don't have listed. You have to have it listed. It also kind of similar to that, that other seller that didn't want it in, how the property is being shown, when it can be shown, how are we securing the access to it? We have, we take all of that responsibility. And then we also put it in a system that uh, for the most part allows other realtors to know to not inadvertently break a rule and don't show the home after five 30 because there's kids there. Like, all of a sudden, you're not getting these phone calls from, you know, John Q. Public saying, can I come see your house? Because we're helping control that so you can live your life subject to us helping you sell it. And I think it's important to know the way that I got to know Kyle many years ago is you sold my listing. Yeah. And we were working for different brokerages, different companies. Um, but you saw my listing in the multiple listing service and it gave you the showing rules and mm -hmm. regulations, so to speak. You also knew that, okay, here's, here's the price they're asking. Uh, this is 
how much I'm going to be paid on it. This is um, how to go about showing it. So it was all there for you. And you came through and sold it. We had that spirit of cooperation. You represented your buyer, I represented the seller, and it was a win-win. It, it was, and it's, you know, just like in any um, relationship in essence, you have to understand what the rules are to it, and MLS helps standardize that so we know how to, to work with each other and what, what's the appropriate, you know, what are the best practices of how to submit an offer, where it comes back. There's little differences here and there, but generally speaking, we have the rules that it's structured. So if somebody's brand new, their, their, their broker will teach them how to follow these rules. And it, it makes it such that it's the least amount of inconvenience for a buyer or seller through a really stressful transaction. Even a smooth transaction for realtors is probably stressful for our buyers and sellers because it's a big deal for them. It, it really is. Um, Kyle, I'd like to update you. Even the smooth, easy ones are even hard on the realtors now. <laughs> I know. Well, I, it's funny. We, we've had having a conversation at my office, and even though, as we talked earlier, that the media says, "Oh, it's a, it's easy. Just put it up." This is the most complex market I've ever been a part of, in the sense of how many dominoes are lining up. This person has to sell their home before they can buy yours, and you have to sell yours before. That how we protect everybody involved how we get things negotiated, um, the amount of thought and how to structure it. It's the most complex. And I, like I said, I've been a part of good back markets and bad markets. It is not as easy as it is as people think it is. It's to be able to walk away from a transaction and sell your home or buy one and feel, oh, thank goodness. In today's market, it's, it's the hardest I've ever seen it. Yeah, it, it is very complex. That is for sure. And I might go a year or two beyond your your career. Right. Well, I, I mean, a decade or two be four years. Or three. But I'm going to agree with you. It, it's the most complex market right now. Um, crazy. It, it is. And the, it's the hoops we got to jump through and the hurdles that, to get past. Right. And, and there's a new complications that get added on by this. I'll say the state, but, you know, if now there's a solar mandate that's coming through, how that affects when you sell a property it's different than it was, say, five years ago. Now, is it leased? Is it not leased? Those types of things that we're trying to make sure that when title transfers, everybody's happy and not there's no surprises afterwards. That's right. And we're going to end this segment on the word happy. So, Perfect. So <laughs> if you want to hear more happiness, stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio on 940 KYNO. Looking back, I wouldn't have it any other way. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio, we have Kyle Cheney. Kyle is a manager for Guarantee Real Estate. And um, which office do you do? I'm in the Clovis office, Willow and Knees. Willow and Knees, okay. Um, And how long have you done that? So I've managed uh, real estate since 2005, but I've been with Guarantee since 2017 in Clovis that, that whole time. Mm-hmm. Where were you before? Uh, I've worked time at Cobalt Banker and Remax, but okay. all, all local. All right. And for all our listeners, that may not have mattered to you, but I was curious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't realize. I thought you'd been at Guarantee 
all these years. So no, my, I, I first started, and you know, George Murphy brought me on, so I, I started uh, there, yeah. and uh, a good mentor. So I, I was there for my the first seven years of my or first five years of my career. All right, hey, George is the best. Yep. Um, all right, so you've been doing how how many years have you been in real estate sales? Uh, the whole time, uh, there was a brief time where I was a, a general manager for a, um, a company outside of real estate, but my license and sales since 2005. So um, all the companies I've worked at, I've been able to do both. I primarily focus on the management side, obviously, but friends, family, other ones I've been able to help. So anywhere, I, I had some really big years, but generally speaking, eight, 10 people a year is kind of where I'm comfortable. And it helps me stay involved with knowing for sure what the market's doing, how to make these contracts and protect people and understand what's taking place. So it's, um, it's not just theory. Like, you know, there's, sometimes there's a difference. I read it in a book. I took the test and I got the A, but when it comes, uh, rubber hits the road, you're like, ah, what do I do? That's not the case where we're at. Yeah. So our market has become very complicated. Um, so I want to ask you, why is that? <coughs> but to a seller, they might think, oh, it's a seller's market. So all I, all I got to do is list it and forget about it. The market will take care of it. How true is that? You know, um, I don't think it's true at all. Um, maybe from a quote-unquote a price point, you put it on, you're getting these offers. But how to, if, if I was to sit down with you and, or you just put it on the market and you had 62 offers, how do you know which is a good offer? How do you know what this means? How do you know what that means? This one was written on a cocktail napkin. Can I use it? I don't know. It is a very complicated time for a seller. Yeah, if it's a, I got one offer, it's the only thing I've got going on, you might think, take it because that's it. But when you have multiple opportunities to, to make or break your situation or you don't know what it means to be pre-qualified versus fully underwritten and why do I care as a seller, you need guidance sometimes to understand what that is and what's taking place. So that that's what's going on here. I, I think it, it's uh, it's nice to think I can list it and forget it, but that's not the case. Okay. So let me ask you, what are those big hurdles in the real estate market? So you and I get into a 30 day escrow. What, what do we have to, what hurdles do we have to jump over? Well, one that was pretty recent and it's kind of subsiding a little bit. Typically, you're going to, as a buyer and as a seller, there's an appraisal that's going to come in. I knew you were going to start with the letter A, appraisal. Good. See, look at that. <laughs> uh, the, there's the appraisal. And what was happening is, one, either the appraisal wasn't coming at the contracted price. What do you do next? And almost as frequent, it was taking longer than the time frames necessary. So we've got some things built in to protect the buyers and the sellers, and there's some timelines that are important and I won't bore you with the details but we know that sometimes it was taking longer to get an appraisal back and it was be very difficult of what does this mean is this good or is this bad yeah there was a shortage of appraisers mm -hmm. almost like they were all sitting on a cruise ship out in Long Beach Harbor <laughs> right <laughs> and, and we're we're wait so that 30-day escrow you the lender who's going to provide the money might not know what they can lend on until day 25 yeah and that 30-day escrow is now going to be 45. How does that impact the seller? Could this have been seen beforehand? And again, when you have multiple offers or you have offers that have all these little, what if this happens, that happens, and not knowing really what the repercussions are, it, it can be pretty scary. 
in that 15-day delay you're talking about that may have been caused by that shortage of appraisers or, or the length of time it was taking to get an appraisal could have had a domino effect because maybe when house A sold, that seller was buying house B, and now that's got to be delayed, and those people were buying house C. Right. And that's when you're talking about being a complicated or a complex market. There's a lot of things that we're trying to, to match. And um, the best way I describe your real estate, they're like a quarterback. They don't necessarily do the lineman's job. They're not running the pass route, but they have to know where everybody's on the field and what they should be doing, as well as what the defense is doing so they can then predict and make the appropriate play. So as we're looking at all this for you, you're coming to us saying, is this right? Is this? We're analyzing all of that to make, help you make the best play possible. I like that analogy. Well, yeah, I, I like sports, but you're right. It, it, the realtor is the quarterback, Yeah, not, not the whole team. Nope, it, but the reason I pick the quarterback versus others, typically we have to understand what everybody else is doing so we can then understand if they're doing it well, doing it poorly. I need to be involved. I need to talk to that coach. Whatever that looks like, we have to understand how everybody's working because we're the ones that are really monitoring our contract. And sometimes what we have in the contract, you know, the lender, they, they have a different set of timelines that they're following. They may not understand, you need to be doing this by here, otherwise it's going to affect this buyer, which affects that seller, which affects that buyer, that domino effect you were talking about. Um, and again, in 15 years when I first got in the business, that wasn't necessarily, even in 2005 when the market people thought was very similar to this, there typically weren't a lot of contingent offers. It was, it was just different. I don't I can't even quantify why it just was. It wasn't as hard to manage that process and understand what was taking place. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So, and then we mentioned the timeline for appraisals, but there was also that disconnect in that appraisers by instruction had to appraise backwards. So they had to find a sale that happened that, well, that closed yesterday or before, which means it went into escrow. It was negotiated 30 to 45 days earlier. And then, but the buyer had to buy something that was available today correct, or, or tomorrow. So there was that disconnect. And we came up with a term and a clause that three years ago, I never heard of an appraisal gap clause. Right. There's an appraisal gap, and that's a and that's a structure that realtors were using in helping clients to get offers accepted. How do you how does my offer stand out compared to somebody else's offer? Or this person has an all cash transaction, and I'm financed. How do I make that work? How can I compete? And, and we can be honest. It, sometimes it took a while. We're writing five, ten offers, but to get them accepted, we we are working with our clear corporation. We're, we're talking to the other agent, trying to figure out how can what does your seller want. We'll roll right the best offer and putting that together. So it was a unique time, or it is a unique time in that aspect. Um, I would say understanding, to your point about the appraisals going different ways, appraisers are always looking back. The market does what it's doing. And we're, as a quarterback of the city, we're the ones that are anticipating that and then trying to create an appraisal gap so that you can get your offer accepted and still buy the home. In one or two sentences, can you describe what is an appraisal gap clause? 
So simply put, and there's some more detail, but an appraisal gap basically says, I'm willing to pay, if, if I'm in contract at X price and it appraises for less, I'm willing to pay the difference or something above the appraised value. So that way, in essence, I'll bring in more money so I can get this house. Okay. So if you're in contract at 300,000, the appraisal comes in at 290. The lender says, well, we're gonna land on the lower of the two, purchase price right. or, or uh, appraisal. That means your loan, your 95% loan is gonna be based on 290, not 300. Right. So you're gonna need an extra 10K cash. Yes. And it was one, as we mentioned earlier, when it comes down to what's the best thing for you in your situation, having somebody that understands what's going on gives you the option. Is this good for you? Is it bad for you? If it's good for you, I can help you do this. If it's not right for you, then we'll, we'll adjust our search and we'll do something different so we can meet your, your financial requirements. So, and this is how common appraisal gap clauses have become. I wrote an offer for some clients and they didn't have any extra cash. So we did not put an appraisal gap mm -hmm. clause in there. The other agent called me up and said, I'm looking at your offer. You forgot to put the appraisal gap clause in. Right. And, and you and I both, that's relatively new. The last, say, six months, maybe a little bit longer, that that language has come in. And um, as we talked before, as the market eventually shifts, like right now, it's we're getting a little bit more inventory, but it's still, instead of white hot, it's red hot. It's still great. That may change, but right now, it's very difficult to get offers accepted. If, if you're not gonna put that in, talking with your agent, how can my offer be more attractive? What are they looking for? Um, and again, the complication of making sure that it still protects our clients is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And I liked how you say it may not be white hot, but it's still red hot. Last week on the show, we talked about how the market may be shifting, but the analogy we used was that the it slowed down from 100 miles an hour to 80 miles an hour. That's still fast. Yeah, and I would say if it's slowed down, it's gone from 100 to 99.8 because when you look at some of the other statistics that say multiple listing helps us provide, there's still less than one, one month of inventory, which would simply mean if no new home came to the market and everything kept selling at the same pace, we would be out of homes for, they would all be sold in 0.8 months. So what is that, 22 days? Everything's done. I, back in 2005, there was a new agent that looked at me It's because it was really dropping. I think it was down to like a three-month supply then. He goes, hey, Don, are we going to run out of homes to sell? <laughs> <laughs> it, but the look on his face told me he was. that was a serious question. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, with COVID and it really changing what we thought may have happened, the, the, the market accelerated. Such, I still wonder, are we going to? but homes are still coming on. So the velocity of home selling, as you mentioned before, what we're 15 homes short of what we did three months, a year ago, we're still selling. It's just as they come on, they're coming off. They come on, they come off. So again, it's a strong market. Well, when we get back from our next commercial break, I wanna ask you this question. So it gives you three minutes to think of some good answers. Oh I, it may not be enough time. <laughs> <laughs> and that is, why do we have a shortage of inventory? So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And here in the studio, we have Mr. Kyle Cheney, 
Uh, he's a manager with Guarantee Real Estate and been in the business coming on 20 years. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you've seen a thing or two out there, but I'll bet you've never seen a shortage of inventory like we've seen the last couple years. What are the reasons for that? I mean, I, it's all over the news, whether it be local news or national news, about a shortage of inventory. But what's causing that? You know, it's a it's a long. This is a long answer, and I'll try to make it as simple as I can. There's, You've got eleven minutes. All right, get her done. There's a there's multiple factors, but one would be when when the Great Recession happened, a lot more investors and what they call in institutional investors came in and bought properties that they're now renting. And when the stock market was good, they were still making such a return on these properties from the rent that there was no need to sell. So because of that, properties that would have typically been a first time home buyer moving in, they're just not on the market. You have a lot of short term rentals now where things are becoming Airbnb. So what would have been a potential for either a long term rental and or another sale is no longer on the market. We have historically in California and across the nation have been behind on the construction of new new homes. The numbers that I vaguely remember were at least a million behind, but we've been a million behind for like the last five or six years. So there's not enough new construction coming to the market. After that, COVID kind of shifted potentially who a lot of our buyers are. People are moving into Fresno and still capable of working in um, locations outside of us. You know, they're telecommuting in essence. So somebody from the Bay Area wants to live in Fresno or Clovis because of the quality of life, the, the home they can buy. So they're buying up properties at a, at a rate that's a little bit faster than maybe what the local person's able to. So a lot of these, all these ideas kind of confluence at one time and it's given us the situation we're in today. So not just one thing on its own. I don't think so. I mean, you know, there's smarter minds out there that maybe could, could do it, but everything I've seen, it's, it's an idea of multiple things kind of all happening at the same time, which leads to these other things we see in the news about affordability issues and this. So there is no magic bullet to solve it. So talking to realtors and, you know, the association that kind of help guide what good housing policy could be for our, for our state, it's important to, to really listen to what the association's talk about because they're looking at for home ownership. The power of home ownership is amazing in the sense that I just wanted to share one thing. The most recent study, and they happen about every three years from, uh, I can't remember which Fed does it, but the average net worth of a homeowner is now 40 times that of what the average net worth is of a renter. 40 times. 40. So being able, we are the proponent and the power of home ownership because what it can do and transform people's lives. So it's really important that we understand that and understand that this lack of inventory and affordability, we're not happy about it either. We're doing our best to try to create um, ideas and solutions for it, but there is no one single solution that's going to fix it all. So I would like, and I'm glad you gave us four or five things before you even got to affordability because yeah. I'm going to put affordability lower on the list too. Um, and that is, I, I know that things seem really expensive, you know, prices have gone up, rates have gone up, but there's still four five, six offers on every home. So you can't tell me just from that, you can't tell me that people can't afford homes anymore. Right. It, it's, 
I agree with you. It, it's that thought that, oh, it's it's not what I used when I grew up in this town. That's too expensive. That doesn't mean it's not affordable. It's just what we're used to. Other people coming in here, and when I say other people coming in just from out of the state or out of the area, they don't see an affordability issue. And the local buyers still can't afford. They're just choosing not to, or they're maybe they're a little more selective on where they want to live. But all in all, it's very affordable. The interest rates are higher than they were, but they're they're still affordable. It's it's really um, the the issue has more to do with inventory than affordability. Because if we had more inventory, the affordability, the normal supply and demand would kind of level itself out. Then there's also, you touched on, uh, and I'll call it in migration. So, and that's people moving from the Bay Area, from uh, uh, everywhere else. And so there's a need, there's a greater demand for more housing. And if we're limited in the building, that's going to be a disconnect. Correct. Although, you know, they say that we're not building enough homes, but when you drive around, Fresno, Madera, Clovis, there's a lot of houses being built. There are a lot of houses being built. And again, some of this is that national or or statewide statistics. So Fresno is building a lot of homes and Clovis for that matter in our local area. So you say Madera or Fowler, we're we're building a lot of homes, but we're not, we're still behind where we need to be because it was for a long time, quote unquote, the new starts were just lower than what the population was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, could this be another thing? Um, people don't want to move and leave their low, lower interest rate behind. So I think that that's going to help exacerbate this problem. It hasn't quite started yet because uh, a lot of our listeners probably know that early COVID time, interest rates were dropped to, for all intents and purposes, like zero. So people refinanced. So when you refinance, now you're thinking, hey, I want to move to that other house. I'm excited about it. And then you're like, oh, my interest rate's a little, like it's now, it's not, I like to say this, it's not those people are worried about their interest rate. Now they're looking at their payment. We live in our payment, not our interest rate. I don't care what my interest rate is as long as the house I want is at the, the budget that I want. That's more important to me. My ego's out of it. I want the home at the price that works for my family. But when you're looking at it, in that case, you have some sellers that are deciding not to move because they're, payments are going to change. And that is driven a lot by interest rate as well. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing that I think we're past now is the COVID relief where, where, and what I mean by that, I really thought for a long time, people were holding back from putting their home on the market because they didn't want other people walking through their home and possibly spreading the coronavirus. Right. Do you see much of that anymore? No, it's not even really a conversation. It doesn't seem to be, at least maybe for certain individuals, but generally speaking, that's not a, a conversation I have with either my agents or other agents. It's it's more if something like that happens, there's a specific reason just for that individual seller. You mentioned people are turning homes into Airbnbs. Um, how much is that affecting us? You know, I, I haven't seen any studies out there, but it, it's in. I'm always one of the like, who is coming to Fresno and renting a house for three days? But it's out there, and I've talked with people that do it. Um, Airbnb is a unique situation for homeowners that I look at. It's it's a new, it's not a disruptor, but it, 
there's not a business model that is widely known. So we're trying, we're still at the beginning of understanding how that affects our marketplace and what it does to rental values themselves. Um, if anything, that's probably on as much as there's an affordability crisis for housing to buy, it's almost the same for renters. Airbnb may have a component in that. It may not. I'm not saying that it does, but it seems logical that instead of a long-term rental, I'm going to have a short-term rental now. Okay, so I always like to give our listeners something to ponder about during the week. This way you'll come back next week and listen. So, and you just said something about why would people come to Fresno? Okay, so maybe this is something to ponder now. Yeah. Maybe Fresno is not what it used to be or what we used what we think it it was and and that is maybe we are more attractive for a uh, vacation destination than we thought on affordability people are always oh well Fresno can't afford it we're we're one of the poorest cities in in the world and and yet we have four or five six buyers for every home so maybe the economy in Fresno is better than it's being portrayed. Maybe our vacation attractiveness is better than it's being portrayed. Maybe we're okay. It's funny. I said that, but yes, you are right. We, we are being born and raised here. I, as a younger kid, we were always the butt of other people's jokes. So sometimes that gets into your psyche. Like, well, maybe we aren't that great, but people come here and they, they, they like the way our cities run. They like the way it looks. You've got Fresno Unified, Clovis Unified, all of these great school districts that do it. Like, we have so much to offer, and sometimes we just don't give ourselves enough credit, and that's really what it is. Yeah, I, I like the way you put it. Sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit. So since you pass that test, I've got uh, another test for you. What's your best real estate advice? So my best real estate advice is really sitting down with a professional and i believe it should be a realtor to understand what the process is and tell them what you want and what you're trying to accomplish because as you mentioned before we're going to give you our best advice of now is the right time you should think about this let's get you talking to this person to make sure that you know what you're doing Um, that is kind of generic but it's super important that people understand that Okay, we have about one minute left so, left, so tell us, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's discussion, other than your name? Other than my name, obviously, I would say I want them to know, be very aware of what your local market statistics are and what's happening there and not just the national. We didn't, we didn't drop 16%. We're not having the issues that everybody else may or may not. We have a very strong housing market and a very... Um, fruitful one for people that want to buy and sell homes. All right. Well, Kyle Cheney of Guarantee Real Estate and the chair of the Fresno Multiple Listing Service, I want to thank you for giving us your time today and sharing your experiences, your expertise, and your knowledge with all our listeners. Thank you for having me on, Don. I truly appreciate it. All right. Well, they made me. They, uh, they said, <laughs> hey, you got to have Kyle on there. <laughs> <laughs> thank so, goodness. Yeah. All right, to all our listeners, we'll be back again next week. Stay tuned.